Uh, if we can we open our Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Uh, excited today to continue uh, walking through the book of Acts and drawing out of, uh, of the scriptures uh, God's message that he has for us. And we may go a little, you know, we didn't have church last week, right? Which, by the way, what a, a difference a week makes. We're all going to go out and enjoy the sunshine today. Um, but uh, since we didn't have church last week, uh, the sermon's going to go about twice as long this week. Okay? Amen? Awesome. I may or may not be kidding. I don't know. It's up to the Spirit of God uh, who is at work in me. Um, so now you just got all quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, uh, I got a lot to say. So excited about this uh, message of this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 9. So, so far we see, thank you so much. Talk about a panic, like, oh my goodness. So far we see uh, um, the Spirit enter into the apostles and into the church. Through the Spirit, we see the church go, the people go from ordinary to What? emboldened, right? Ordinary to emboldened. That's the theme of this, uh, the theme of the sermon series, the theme of our year, and uh, the Spirit's power in us. So we see the church, the people of God, spreading throughout Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Samaria, and with the Ethiopian eunuch being converted and heading off to Ethiopia. Now the gospel's going to break out and spread Start spreading through Africa, and it's about to, in Acts chapter 10, make a huge leap into the Gentile world. So, so far, it's been mainly Jews becoming disciples, followers of Jesus. Now, there's, there's Greek-speaking Jews and some Greek converts to Judaism, but it's mainly been uh, Jews following Jesus. In Acts chapter 10, we're going to see a huge leap into the Gentile world. World And all of us who are of non-Jewish descent need to say a hearty amen to Acts chapter 10. Amen? Or else none of us would be where we are today. Okay? But uh, this little section at the end of chapter 9 is going to remind us of, again, what the church is experiencing, what the church is looking like at this time and why it needs to spread throughout the Gentile world. Does this make sense? It's very healthy for us to go back to why are we doing what we're doing? And that's why I love to hear Tom's story. I remember that Christmas Eve service. And you know what I was feeling that Christmas Eve night as preparing uh, for church and that sort of thing? I was feeling like, oh. No one even ever listens to Christmas messages anyway, especially on Christmas Eve. We just want to open the presents and get to, you know, Christmas morning. Thank goodness the church doesn't depend on the quality of our hearts all the time. Amen? <laughs> uh, little did I know how much God was working so powerfully in Tom's life. And um, amen. So... We need to go back to why are we doing what we're doing. Listening to Tom's story, that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's the gospel. That's the family of God. That's transformation. That's the power of God. That's the spirit at work. 
That's why we must not just sit here in Eau Claire. We must spread. We must send. And I'm going to share more stories about that later on. So chapter 9, verse 31, let's pick up here. We, we left off with this two weeks ago. It says, then the church, so Saul had become Paul and been converted, which is a, a miraculous. But then Saul was sent off to Tarsus. It says, then the church enjoyed, excuse me, throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. So when the Holy Spirit is at work within the church, the church is experiencing peace. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the church is being strengthened. It's not growing weaker. It's getting stronger. The church is encouraged. The word is parakalesis. It's a word for the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a word also for comfort, admonishment, etc. So the Spirit is at work in the church doing His work, doing His job, and we are joining it. Uh, it says living, in, while it's encouraged, it says it's living in the fear of the Lord. Now, as we don't like fear of the Lord, we think that's, I don't want, I heard someone, I overheard someone else, someone say, I don't know, a while ago, it says, it wasn't in, it was just out at Starbucks or something, and they said, I don't want to fear God, I want to cuddle up with God and be close. And I was just like, oh, I, we all want to cuddle up with Jesus, right? That's all good, and especially in our evangelical world that gets real popular. But how to get real encouragement is starting with the fear of God and the reverence. Amen? We start with reverence and respect, and then we learn how to be close through and in Christ and approach with confidence, but not reversing the order. So the church lived in the fear of the Lord, and that's a healthy and right thing. And then it says it was growing, but it wasn't just growing, it was multiplying. It was multiplying. Um, and people are being sent out in the gospel, the word Jesus is spreading. So in the next three chapters here, chapters 9, 10, 11, and 12, so end of 9, 10, 11, 12, we're going to get a glimpse into the ministry of the Spirit through Peter. And I, I want to remind us that this is the same Spirit that worked in the ministry of Jesus, and this is a church of Jesus, right? And this is this church of the Spirit, and so that same Spirit, the same, minute, same Jesus is at work today. Amen? We're going to see how... At this time, Peter faced disease, but then we're going to see the healing power of the Spirit over and through that disease. Peter faced death. We're going to see the resurrection power of the Spirit. Peter faced gospel barriers and trying to reach out to Cornelius. We're going to see the conversion power of the Spirit. Peter faced government opposition. They put him in jail, and yet... What happened? The angel came and got him out of jail. We're going to see uh, over um, uh, rescuing power by the Spirit over the government opposition. And we can see whatever we're facing, whatever we're facing today, disease, death, opposition, str struggles, discouragement, we can overcome by the power of the Spirit. Okay, let's get into chapter 9, verse 32. As Peter traveled about the country... He went to visit the saints in Lydda. 
there he found a man named Aeneas, Aeneas, a paralytic, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda in Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. We have a disciple named Tabitha, amen? Uh, which, when translated, is Dorcas. Ouch! So, Wale, try that one. Don't, I mean, don't, don't try that. But what Dorcas means, but you know what Dorcas means? Yeah, my brother, he's a Dorcas. But you know what Dorcas means? It's like a gazelle. Gazelle. There you go. Okay. So, uh, um, I was going to make a joke about the name Aeneas, um, but I'll, let it, I'll just let it go. Okay. Uh, about that time, she became sick and died. Her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time, with a tanner named Simon. Wow, what it, it, we, we can it's, we we can read through these things so quickly and miss the power. We miss the power of the Spirit at work through an ordinary, unschooled man, Peter, just like you and I, so ordinary, and yet the power of God flowing through him to change the world. I want to talk about three things here in this section. Number one is the imitation of Jesus. Number two is the power of Jesus. Number three is the multiplication of Jesus. What is the Spirit at work doing? He's calling us to imitate. He's exerting His power through us. And He is multiplying Jesus amongst us. Um, let's, look, let's go back to Aeneas. Um, paralytic, bedridden, uh, for eight years. I would call this kind of like a, uh, a, there's a helpless sense around this. Uh, uh, eight years of struggling, eight years of not being able to walk, eight years of discouragement. You know, a lot of times, sometimes we can feel helpless in and, in and around our situation. Um, but listen to what 
Look at what Peter does. He, say, he goes to him and he says, Jesus Christ heals you. Jesus Christ heals you. We're going to talk more about that later. And he says, get up, take care of your mat. Well, let's turn over to Mark chapter 2 real quick. Does this remind you of anyone? Jesus heals you. Take your mat and get up. It should remind us of someone, shouldn't it? Let's look over in Mark chapter 2. To remind us of Jesus. In Mark chapter 2, verse 8. When Jesus came along, a helpless situation, also a paralytic. He says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit, this is what they were thinking in their hearts. He's talking about the uh, teachers of the law. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in, few, in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Peter was there. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. And so when he came along, the same situation, what did he think? Boy, i got to invent a new way to help this person. No. Remember the Pharisees? It says they took note that he had been with Jesus. I'm not going to come up with a new way. I'm going back to the old way, the Jesus way. Amen and amen? Okay. And so he says, dude, I'm just going to say what Jesus said. Get up. Get your mat and walk. And they both did. Now, that's, the meaning of this is not that Craig can go to some hospital. Get up. Take your mattress. Go. That's not the point. The point, though, is that Peter imitated Jesus. Amen? We'll talk about what that means. So let's go to Tabitha. Back to Tabitha in Acts chapter 9. Um, what an amazing woman. She uh, just went, was always doing good in helping the poor. That's a picture of a disciple. That's an imitation of Jesus. Just always doing good, busy, schedule full, not with playing video games, but doing good. Hey, video games do me good. I'm not even going to go there, okay? <laughs> okay, some. I'm not, gonna make, not making a statement on video games. What I'm saying is we should be, Connor's walking out. He's like, I'm, I'm out of here. I, he's just like, where's the door? Had enough. That's awesome. Connor's never going to walk out again. Um, she's doing good. She's helping uh, helping, you know, I, I, and, and so when she's lost, it's waves, ripples of impact that's felt. You know, I wonder if I were to uh, move or I to, to go away, would I have made a difference? Would I have made a difference? I hope that at the end of my life at the funeral, I could have just made a little bit of difference if just for one person, then that would have been a life worth living. Amen. A little bit of difference. How about you? Are you making a difference? Always doing good, helping the poor, helping the needy, etc. Like this, uh, like uh, Tabit, like Dorcas. Okay? Um, and so, anyways, let's get to the, the, the healing part. So, Peter went 
them, uh, sent, them, uh, sent them all out of the room. So there's all this emotion, all this wailing, all this weeping. Peter's like, okay, I can't handle all this emotions. Just please go. I got to think clearly, okay? So he sent them out of the room. He got down and he prayed. And then he says, Tabitha, get up. Does that remind you of anyone? Does this ring a bell? Connor's back. Okay. Does this ring a bell? Let's go to Mark chapter 5. Of course it rings a bell. This is exactly what Jesus did. In Mark chapter 5, verse 35, it says, While men were still speaking, some came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue, synagogue ruler. It says, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said. I love that. Ignoring the voices of doubt. Ignoring the voices of discouragement, ignoring the voices of this is a hopeless situation, move on along. Jesus is like, out. Okay? Um, he says, uh, um, where was I? Ignoring what they said. Verse 36, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So Peter was with Jesus. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, wow, this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, Jesus did the same thing Peter did. Actually, it's Peter did the same thing Jesus. He put them out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went to where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Okay, again, Talitha kum. If the, they put them out, this is not a formula, but it's an imitation. Jesus put the people out. Peter put the people out. Okay, uh, Jesus says, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. Peter says, Tabitha, get up. If Peter would have spoken Aramaic, he would have said, Tabitha kum. That's not a joke. That's, that's serious. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the changing of one letter. Talitha kum to Tabitha, Tabitha kum. Little girl, get up. What is Peter doing? He's imitating Jesus. He's imitating Jesus. Peter walked with Jesus. He loved Jesus. He was filled with the spirit of Jesus. He acted like Jesus. He thought like Jesus. He spoke like Jesus. He felt like Jesus. As disciples, I wonder how much are we like Jesus? How much are we like him? Do we prioritize like him? Do we think like him? Do we feel like him? The only way we're going to be that is if we spend time with Jesus and if we're filled with the spirit of Jesus. That's what it, that's what it means. That's what it's, a, you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, now we want to take the time to go there, but it talks about how as the, as the church is the aroma of Christ. What does that mean? It means that the church smells like Jesus. And I'm not talking about the dude from Nazarene with some how his clothes smelt. I'm talking about 
what he was, his essence, his being, what flowed out of him, it's the same thing that should flow out of the church. You know what? When we spend more time thinking about the world, living in the world, worried about the world, trying to pursue the world, trying to fit in with the world, we start to smell like the world. And if we smell like the world, we are not the church of Jesus. I don't care what labels on our, on our sign. Okay? Do we smell like Jesus? Is there good? Do we care about the poor? Are we seeking and saving the lost? Are we pouring our lives out for our neighbors, for our coworkers, or for our friends? Or are we just shrinking back in fear, consumed with ourselves? And we're stopped smelling like Jesus. How about you? How about you? How about me? What do I smell like? Good question. Okay, that's number one, imitation of Jesus. Number two, the power of Jesus. Peter knew that he could not overcome disease in death by his own power, by his own authority, by his own control. He didn't pull these guys up by their bootstraps. He didn't, try, he didn't read how to win friends, friends and influence people and therefore try to influence them to do good. He was completely powerless in and of himself to overcome disease and death, but he knew by the power of Jesus these things were no problemo for God. Amen? So he didn't even try. If you try to change... If you try to change by your own power, you are fighting a losing battle. We have to get to the end of ourself before we can be filled with the Spirit of God. Are you with me? Um, Jesus Christ heals you, Peter said. It's the word. Jesus, John 1 says the word of Jesus is the word of God. So, what we don't have, I, I can't, I don't have the miraculous power of healing, okay? So I can't go to a sick person and say, Jesus Christ heals you. But what power do I have? I have the Word of God power. And so I can open up the Word of God and I can say, if you obey this, your life is going to get some healing in it. Now, it may be immediate and it may be a long path of healing. But, if, but the power is right here. Amen? You have that. The, Jesus Christ heals you. He got down on his knees and prayed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. How does the church live out the power of Jesus, How, the power of the Spirit? It's through the Word of God and through the prayers of the saints. And then he says, get up. Get up. This verb is anestomy. And it's the same verb that God used in the raising of Jesus from the dead. Get up, Mark 8, verse 31. And I started to study out this, get up, get up. And it's all through the book of Acts. Uh, remember what uh, Ananias told Saul, Acts 22? What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, anestomy. Be baptized, wash your sins away. Next week we're going to see uh, uh, Jesus tell Peter, get up, kill, and eat, okay? As far as going to the Gentiles, I'll explain what that means later. It's not, you know, an affirmation of hunting, okay? Um, don't hunt, 
I'm not saying hunting's wrong. Just saying that's not where you should base your conviction on. Okay? Um, so get up. There's a verb used in God raising from the dead. Uh, um, you know, um, oftentimes we face helpless and hopeless type situations. You know, I want to expound, and I've, I've asked each one of them if I could share this. And they said, please, actually, please share this because it's the power of God at work. But uh, uh, Tom shared about his broken family in his marriage, and that was broken. But some of you may not know that Brenda and Tom used to be married. And Devin is here, who's Tom's daughter. And Robert married Brenda a number of years ago. In, in this front row, we have seen many trials and hardship and struggles and hurt feelings and sins against one another by all parties involved. And it has challenged the connection. It has been so challenging and oftentimes felt like a helpless and hopeless situation. But every single one of them said by the power of God and the word of God and the spirit of God and by taking action, by getting up, I am going to forgive. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to repent. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to get the log out of my own eye and, uh, uh, and do my part of being like Jesus. And we have seen incredible healing that this four can sit in the front row united in Christ. That's a miracle. That's the power of God. And we should have a standing ovation, a little pitter-patter clap. Because that's Jesus at work. Now, are they all arrived? Oh, no. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's an ongoing, continual struggle, isn't it, guys? But I'm so proud of Robert and Brenda and Devin and Tom for how they each have struggled with Jesus. And they said, I'm just going to be like Jesus and let the chips fall where they may. And they're falling in unity. That's the power of God. How do we have that kind of healing, that kind of resurrection power through the Word of God, through prayers to God, and through faithful action? You know, uh, um, Tabitha, get up. Ienus, Ienus, get up. Saul, get up. Peter, get up. Guys, turning points come in our spiritual lives. When we realize I've been sitting around and doing nothing, and I decide to get up, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm going to do something about this. Tom had to come to a point where he said, enough's enough. It's over. No more pornography. It's out. And for him to say 16 months, there, that ain't happening in the world, guys. That's the grace of God and the power of God. Um, you know, some of us, we're not close to God. Like, I don't feel close to God. And I just say, well, let me tell you. Tell me about your quiet times. Well, I'm not having quiet times. Oh. Well, let's try that. Like, it's not complicated, right? No, it is complicated. There's part of it that's complicated, and I get that. But when we're not praying and we're not reading the Word, let me, get, let me just flash it across the screen. You're not going to be close to God. So maybe you should get up off your lazy carcass, get out of bed, and get into the Word of God every day in the morning. Well, I don't care. Anytime, I don't care when you do it. Just do it. You know, oh, I'm struggling with sin. Oh, I'm, I'm struggling. 
struggling with sin. Oh, and I, hey, believe me, guys, I've struggled with sin. I struggle with sin. I'm struggling with sin probably right now, okay? I'm just, we're all struggling with sin. But at some point, you got to make a decision. I'm going to anestomy. I'm going to get up. You know, I asked Craig if I could share this, and he said yes. And he's a, he's a man who drank, drank like crazy as a non-disciple, okay? And when he became a disciple, he's like, man, i got to cut back on this. i got to get this out. And he cut it off for a little while. But guess what happens with our sinful natures? They just, they, they, Satan waits for a more opportune time. And so that temptation starts to come back. It's like, ah, oh, I just have one. Ah, oh, I just have, ah, oh, just, ah, oh, maybe two. Right? And it creeps on. It's like, it's like creep. It's like a, a algae through the lake or something. You know, it just <laughs> creeps on in. Right? And, uh, and pretty soon, it, it, Craig was just, it was dogging him again. And he's looking forward to it now. And he was needing it more. And it was, the volume was increasing. And it, it was, a, um, I don't know exactly what, what it was. I think maybe it was that midweek lesson last year or something like that. Craig just said, enough's enough. I'm done with alcohol. I'm done. It's over. It's out. Cleared it out of his fridge and hasn't touched a drop since. That's a point in time where he said, I'm getting up. See, we, we, we can't have the power, the healing power of the Word of God, the power of the resurrection, uh, without a decision on our part to say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Enough, I get up. If you're studying the Bible, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized into Christ. The same thing they said Saul. You know, if, you're, if your sin is dogging you, why do you keep on going and not doing something radical? Do you think by doing the same thing and expecting different salts, that's the definition of insanity? Get up. Amen? Relationship. Oh, I don't feel like I have great friends. Okay, well, get off of your butt and go serve and invite and spend time. The grass is not green on the other side of the fence. It's greener where we water it. So water your, you know, oh, my marriage, oh, my spouse. If my spouse would repent, blah, blah, blah. Like, why don't you repent and then leave your spouse to the Lord and watch what happens? And you're doing your part. Amen? How did the bulletin get in here? <laughs> Throwing me off. And lastly, the lastly... Guys, I know I'm, I, I, there's times we can be aggressive, right? I'm not, I'm not ever being aggressive in a self-righteous way. I'm not trying to. Okay? I'm trying to share sometimes pointed comments that maybe need to snap us out of our, right? And uh, get, us, get us rolling. Oh, man, that's going to be on a banquet someday as well. Okay. <laughs> Lastly, the multiplication of Jesus. The multiplication of Jesus. These people saw... Aeneas be healed. They saw Dorcas raised from the dead. They saw the power of Jesus. They believed and they turned to the Lord. He became known. Many believed in the Lord. Multiplication is a characteristic of a healthy church. You know, disciples imitating Jesus by the power of the Spirit 
through that, Jesus becomes seen and known. I hope you didn't see Tom today. I hope you saw Jesus. Amen? I hope you don't see this. I hope you see Jesus. I hope you don't see me. I hope you don't see the people. I hope you see Jesus and believe and turn to God. Jesus is seen and known with many repenting and being baptized into Christ. And guys, this is why. Multiplication. I'm not satisfied with us being in a growing church. We need to be in a multiplying church. How about you? Are you satisfied? Many people are satisfied with a maintaining church. Some people actually like a shrinking church because then there's less people they got to care about. Actually, the Spirit needs the church, propels the church to multiply. The core leaders are getting together next weekend to pray and discuss what is going to produce a multiplying church. What do we need to change and grow in? Are you with me there? This is why we sacrifice for special contribution. If you're behind on your book, get going on your book, okay? Uh, and by the way, it isn't for quiet time material to make you feel fuzzy. It's do the challenges, okay? Put those things into practice. I'm proud of my wife. She's going for it. Her, Carter, and Jordan walked to church today because that's a challenge, right? That's a challenge in the book to use your foot power. And one of my kids is probably going to want to ride home. They say, no, you're walking. Walk with mom. I'll go home in my truck. <laughs> I'll, I mean, I'm doing it later. Okay. This is why we sacrifice for special contribution. It's because we're called to be a sending church. So what does this mean? It means we send disciples into the campus, and we build a campus ministry. Uh, I'm not a college, well, I am a college student, but not at the UW-Eau Claire, Okay. Uh, 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 so we've got to make a special effort to get into the campus, all right? And in our campus ministry, for example, Lee and Morgan. We love Lee and Morgan, right? They were baptized into Christ. But they didn't, we didn't just grow. The church, the spirit didn't just grow. They were trained and discipled and taught and corrected and rebuked and helped to grow to lead a Bible talk and then to lead a campus ministry, and then through special contribution, they were enabled to serve full-time in that role here and help the campus ministry grow. Same with Grayson. Same with Ivy in L.A. Same with Grayson in Minneapolis. Grayson was spent three years in special contribution funds, training for the ministry, being able to go to Duluth, and then being able to come here and continues to be supported by our special contribution. But So then we sent Lee and Morgan to Duluth to lead the campus ministry. And I want to share some good news Alexis is a girl who saw Jesus and got baptized into Christ. And she had a good friend, Meg. Meg, who's sitting right here. Meg comes. And Alexis is like, Meg, you got to get to church. Okay? Matter of fact, I'm going to come down to Eau Claire, and I'm taking you to church. Isn't that right? Is that how it happened? I think so. And so Meg studies the Bible. What does she do? She sees Jesus. She doesn't see the church. She sees Jesus. And she knows, and she believes, and she turns to him and is baptized into Christ. And then, uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, Tori Abalio in Duluth was baptized into Christ. And Tori had a friend uh, named Taylor Pierce, who's deaf, Taylor's deaf. And he's been told all his life, the hearing world will discriminate against you. They won't listen to you. They won't uh, value you. They won't respect you. They won't accept you. 
And he's, and he's experienced that. But when he came to the church of Jesus, right, he was accepted. He was loved as family. He was respected. And, uh, um, and he felt that, that he could be listened to. Amen. He felt loved. And last Monday, he was baptized into Christ. Amen. Amen. So this is multiplication. This is why we don't, we, we give hundreds and thousands of dollars to special missions because these people are people, they're souls. And we can't just uh, 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 not send. Far be it from us not to send, not to multiply. Amen, amen? Um, amen. Okay, let's wrap this up. Uh, if you're a disciple, um, we need to, you need to be a part of that multiplication. Remember our goal is studying with, everyone's studying with someone. Everyone's uh, inviting. Um, if you are studying the Bible, hey, join Tom. Join Taylor. Join Meg. Uh, join ultimately Jesus, right? Repent and be baptized. Make him Lord. You'll never regret it. As a church, we must, number one, imitate Jesus. Let's smell not like the Chippewa Valley Church. We don't smell like 21st century church. We're going to smell like Jesus. Amen? Uh, and in the power of the Spirit and of Jesus in and through us, we will multiply Jesus. And to God be the glory. Amen, amen?